you are listening to the Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 122. This is the Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At the Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing, and you should too. Well, hello everyone. My name is Scott Wellens, and I am your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. Now, this is a show dedicated to helping real people, that is you, my friend, build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, an educator, a wealth advisor, and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. And today's episode is the NFL Draft and Emotional Investing. But before we get to the topic of the day, I know you're thinking, What the heck are you talking about, Scott? I do that often, and um, I think that it's going to make sense as we move through this topic. So before we get to the topic, I will try and set it up with what I did last night, which was watch the NFL draft. Now, if you know me at all, you know that I like the NFL football, specifically the Green Bay Packers. However, I don't watch a lot of college football. I'll watch some every now and again, but not a lot. So when the NFL draft comes around and people are being selected in the first round and second round and so forth, I don't really know who the players are until they're drafted and then the analysts start talking about who just got drafted and then you see highlights up on the TV. So last night, the Packers were set to draft number 12. And really, if um, you don't like NFL football or football in general, do not fear. This episode will relate back to you. I promise you that much. But anyway, the Packers were drafted number 12. They haven't drafted this high for about 10 years. So this was an exciting time for Packer fans. That's what happens. When you're bad during the regular NFL season the year before, you get a high draft pick the year after. So Packers weren't very good. We're getting a high draft pick. And I'm starting to watch the players go off the board. Number one, I think, was the Arizona Cardinals. They picked a quarterback. Then we had two, three, four, five, and so forth. And every time somebody was picked... The analysts would talk about the pick and they'd show highlights on the TV. My daughter and I were watching and we were anxiously awaiting for the Packers for their pick. And and there they were. It was their pick. They had, I don't know, 10 minutes to make their selection. And within seven or eight minutes, they made that selection. And the NFL commissioner comes up to the podium and says the Green Bay Packers select blah, blah, blah for their draft pick. And instantly, I don't even know who the guy is because I don't know who a lot of these guys are because I said, I don't watch college football. So I find out it's a linebacker and I'm thinking we probably need a different position, but the Packers are good at drafting the best available player and it happens to be this linebacker. 
And then the analysts start talking about the linebacker, and nobody had anything good to say about the pick the Packers just had. Nobody. So one by one, these analysts start talking about the pick, and more and more, my blood starts boiling. I'm getting upset. There's an emotional response happening to me that I really can't control. I'm texting back and forth with my buddy saying, what were the Packers thinking? I mean, we got to fire our general manager right now. Let's get to the topic of the day. All right. Here we go. The NFL draft and emotional investing. I think that's what I'm going to call the title. And I tried to set it all up with what happened last night. And all I'm going to do is continue on with the story. I'm telling you, my blood was boiling. Let's fire the general manager. Then I go on Twitter. I start reading about all the people that are talking about the pick the Packers just had. And I'm telling you, 70% of what I read was negative about the pick. I couldn't stand it. I was so mad. We need to fire this general manager now. He's crazy. And if I had a button, if I had a button on my computer that I could press and fire the general manager of the Green Bay Packers, you know what? I would have done it last night. So what on earth does that have to do with investing? Well, number one, money is one of the most emotional topics there is. The three biggest are money, sex, and food. They are very emotional topics. So that's number one. Money is emotional. Number two, God didn't make us good investors. He didn't. We have all these biases inside of us that are working against us So that we, at some point in our lives, make an emotional response to our money that we have invested in the stock market. Now, I don't have any notes in front of me right now, so I'm just going to go off on a tangent here. Because there's a lot of people listening and saying, Scott, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have emotional responses to my investing. I've been investing the same way. And and maybe you're right, but you know what? You're not done investing yet. Your time horizon goes until the day you pass away from this great earth. That's your time horizon. That's number one. Number two, there are emotional investors all over the planet. And there's been many studies done. And here's the best one that I can relate to you. If I put a thousand people in a room and I ask them all one question individually, one-on-one, and ask them, are you a better than average driver? This has happened before. This is real stuff. This study has been done before. Do you know what the majority of the people say? They say, yes, I am better than the average driver. Why? Because they're making an emotional response, even though they really don't know if they're better than average, but they see a bunch of bad drivers on the road. But here's the deal. Half of the people are above average drivers and half of the people are below 
average drivers. So why do we think 90% of us are above average drivers? The same goes with investing. Overconfidence is one of the worst emotional responses that you can have with your money. Overconfidence is when you buy a single company and that company does very, very well. And you start talking yourself into the fact that you are way smarter than the average investor. So smart that you might do it over again. So smart that your portfolio ends up being much more risky than your tolerance can allow. So smart that you will never hire a financial advisor to keep your emotions in check. So smart that you believe that you can beat the market when the professionals, money managers managing mutual funds, have a very, very difficult time beating the market. In fact, over a 15-year period, only about 15% of mutual fund managers actually beat the market. So smart that you're not so smart. Because overconfidence eventually gets the best of you. And your investment experience over your lifetime turns out to be very, very stressful. And you don't get what you deserve in the market. There's so much research behind this. The quantitative analysis of investment behavior, it's a study that's done every year. People complain about that study. They say it's biased, that it's not exactly perfect. I'll buy into that. But nonetheless, it's real. This report measures inflows and outflows of mutual funds. And you know what? If the average mutual fund does 10% per year, you know what the average investor is getting? Less than half. So even if that report is off by 20% or so, it doesn't matter. We're still having a very, very difficult time with our emotional responses. You know what else is an emotional response? Underconfidence. Underconfidence where you are listening to everything. You're listening to the people at work. You're listening to the news, which we'll get to in a little bit. You're moving through different advisors because you're just not confident in what you're doing. And you end up moving around from advisor to advisor or mutual fund to mutual fund or investment to investment. You're chasing the hot dot. You're moving with those inflows and outflows of money. You're following the herd and you you end up with an unsuccessful investing experience because you didn't get what you deserved over your lifetime. And then what about the news? Reacting to major news in the stock market is so easy. Listen to me very, very clearly. Use news for information, not for decisions. Let's go back to the NFL draft last night. You know what I did? I used the news to make a decision. I made the decision that we should fire the general manager. And if I had the ability, if I had the button to do it, I would have done it on the spot. I didn't use news for information I use the news to make a decision. And if we're going to be if we're going to be smart, we need to pull back the curtains on the news. Because what is the news trying to do? What is the ultimate goal of the news? 
The ultimate goal of any news station or newspaper or magazine is to get more subscribers. If we have more subscribers, if we have more people watching our show, we're going to get more money for our advertising and we're going to make more money. That's the stated goal, period. That is it. So how are we going to get people, if you own a news station, if you own a newspaper, if you own a magazine, how are you going to get more people to subscribe, appeal to their emotions, and the emotion we can appeal to the most is to make us afraid. Make us so afraid that we better start tuning in tomorrow. Make us so afraid that we better always tune in so that we can be a constant subscriber. Fear is an emotion that we tend to react on. It's the way we're made. We need to get defensive when fear exists. If I sense fear that somebody's going to harm my kids, I'm going to make a reaction. I'm going to do something. Just the same as when I was fearful about (laughs) the Green Bay Packers last night, I wanted to push a button and fire the general manager. Same way that you, yes, you, someday will make an emotional decision on your investment because of fear, because the news is telling you something and you react to it because it must be true. Well, here's what happened in the NFL draft, though. This morning, I woke up. If I had the button, I still I still would have fired the GM. But I started listening to a couple of podcasts early this morning, read a couple of other articles, and I let cooler heads prevail. I read some things about these players that the guys last night weren't talking about. I thought to myself, wow, these might not be the worst draft picks in the world. And what do I know anyway? I don't even watch college football for the most part. I dip my toes into it, but that's it. Furthermore, I'm thinking to myself, why am I listening to these broadcasters anyway? Because all of them come out with pre-draft predictions, predicting who's going to get drafted in what round and in what order. And if you go back and look and you see... The results of the predictions, they have a horrible track record. So why on earth would I be listening to them in the first place? Why? Because my emotions got the best of me in that short period of time. Why? Because if I had that button, I would have pressed it. Same goes for the stock market. Just pretend for a second that you decided, and I'm just using this as an example. This is not an endorsement for this company, but you decided that you were going to buy the company Coca-Cola, buy shares in Coca-Cola. Years ago, I read on the cover of a magazine that Coca-Cola was the best company out of all the companies to buy shares in. They were the darling of all companies. If I had money at that point in time, I would have bought Coca-Cola stock. And you should too, according to the article. There's nothing wrong with the company. All we see are sunny skies on the horizon. So let's say I did have a bunch of money. I'm like, this is a great investment. I'm going to buy Coca-Cola stock. Put yourself in the shoes for some other company that you may have purchased. Maybe it's your own company stock. And you diligently started reading the quarterly reports. You kept up on Coke every day. Corporate headquarters might be in your same city. You might drink Coke every day. You're talking about Coke every day. You know people that work at Coke. You might work at Coke. I know everything I can about Coke. Sunny skies. 
Here's what you don't have. You don't have any knowledge of future events at all. What we thought were sunny days turned out to be cloudy skies, cloudy days. Coke had trouble with management. There was a food scare in Europe. There were squabbles with sister bottling companies. Coke didn't go up by 20% that year. It went down by 50%. It happened overnight. That stock dropped like a roller coaster. You read about it all one night and you're like, I got to get out of here. I got to fire Coke. I got to sell Coke. You have the button at your disposal. Sell. You sell Coke. A week later, you read that Coke is not in as bad a shape as you thought. And the stock starts rebounding. You bought it at the worst possible time. You sold it at the worst possible time. The same thing happens in the stock market. Even if you have a big basket full of stocks or on the whole market, an emotional response can happen during the Great Recession or our next recession. And the news is not going to help any of it. The news is going to show cloudy days all the time because cloudy days get me to tune in more. And here's the truth Here's the honest truth of what I've seen being a financial advisor for as long as I have. When you're young and your investment account is not that high yet, you don't have that much money in your account yet, you're less apt to make an emotional decision about your money and do something in the heat of the moment. But the older you get, as your pile of money starts to increase and someday you retire, now you're living off of that pile of money and you have a million dollars and we see a recession and now you have $600,000. That's scary. That might trigger an emotional response and sell. The older you get, the more of a chance of an emotional response. Get this. If you just make one or two bad decisions about your money over your lifetime, you could lose Literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars that could go towards your financial freedom. All right, all this doom and gloom, Scott. What is the solution? Well, number one, the reason why I did this podcast is I wanted you to know that no one is immune to emotional response responses to anything, whether it's the NFL draft or your investments. So don't think that you are smarter than your emotions because my friend, you are not. So awareness is the biggest thing. I study the stock market every single day and I know what emotional responses are like, yet I had one last night. Fortunately, it was about fantasy football, I'm sorry, the NFL draft, and I didn't have a button to fire somebody because cooler heads prevailed the next day. So be aware of what is going on secondly, and the very, very best way that you can overcome these emotional responses and truly get everything you deserve in the market is to have somebody with a cool head about your money. Hire a financial advisor. Is this an ad for Fortress Planning Group, the company that I own? Absolutely, I want you to call me or find somebody that you trust because when you can have somebody who can be objective about your money when you can't there's no way 
that you can be objective about your own money. You can have somebody at your side of the table to be your cool head. And although you need to pay a financial advisor, I get that. It will be some of the best money that you have ever spent because that one or two emotional decision that you may make through the course of your life is going to pay back over and over and over again. If you want to talk further about this, I want you to go to fortressplanninggroup.com and I want you to find the place where it says schedule a discovery meeting or schedule a quick call and I'd love to have a conversation with you, but I got to go right now. Everybody have a great weekend, have a great day, and I'll see you when on the flip side. Bye-bye, everyone. The Best in Wealth Podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth Podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.